Well, thank you again for joining us. It is such a joy to sing together, to build one another up with the Word of God. So thank you for singing. It's a delight. How many of you have ever had to wait for something? Most of us. How many of you like waiting for things? Not many of us, right? How many of you have had to wait for something for a very long, long time? Yeah. Perhaps waiting for a spouse to return home from deployment, waiting for a job that seems to never come, waiting for relief from circumstances that seem to weigh you down. We know what it's like to wait, and often to wait in times of hardship. And if you don't know what it's like, trust me, at some point you will. Waiting can be hard, especially when we are suffering. Waiting is especially hard when we feel like we are waiting on God. When it seems as though God's promises haven't yet come true for us. When it seems as though we're suffering and yet God hasn't shown up yet. He hasn't shown up on the scene. That was the situation for God's people between the Old and New Testaments. They had rebelled against God, they had sinned, they had fallen short of His glory, and so God had allowed them to be handed over to the consequences of their sin. They had suffered under the weight of the circumstances of their own decisions, but it was indeed suffering. And they waited and waited and waited, longing for the day when God would reach into their suffering and would deliver them See, God had made promises that even though they had sinned against Him, that one day He would send the Messiah, the promised One, who would come and deliver them, not only from the circumstances of their sin, but from their sin itself. That He would rule them in righteousness and justice and restore their fortunes. And yet year after year, decade after decade, century after century, though they waited and waited and waited, it seemed as though the promises never came true. And we know that for some, questions arose, is God ever going to come? Will He ever fulfill His promises? Will He ever save us and deliver us? We read these things in the Psalms, in the Scriptures themselves, where people ask, God, have You forgotten us forever? Have you forgotten to be gracious? Have you abandoned us? Are you done with us? Have you wiped your hands clean of us? God's people were waiting. And God's people were wondering whether the promises would be fulfilled. In the story of Christmas, we see the answer to that waiting, to those questions. We see that God does indeed keep His promises that He is faithful, and that we can trust Him. This has been a theme all through the New Testament account of the Christmas story. We saw it a few weeks ago when we looked at Mary's song as she celebrated at the good news brought to her by the angel that her son would be the promised king. We saw it in Zechariah's song as he celebrated how God was fulfilling His promises to save God's people from their sins. We saw it last night in the story of the angels declaring that the promised king had arrived 
that peace had come to God's people. And we see it on beautiful display in our passage this morning where Simeon and Anna, those who had been waiting for their whole lives for these promises to come true, delight in the coming of Jesus. So would you stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word? We're going to read Luke 2, verses 21 through 38. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. That's page 805 in the Church Pew Bibles. And let us see God's faithfulness on display. You read this, that at the end of eight days, when he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. We have in this story a scene of great joy. Mary's song was a song of great joy. Zechariah's song is a song of great joy. The angel's song is a song of great joy, stemming from good news of great joy. The shepherds respond to the news of the angels with praises of great joy. And here, eight days later at the temple, we see yet another scene of great joy of God's goodness, of His faithfulness on display. We see that God keeps His promises. The scene is a beautiful scene. We're told that it was the time for purification according to the law of Moses. According to tradition under the Old Testament law, every eight days after a boy was born, you would bring him in uh, for circumcision and you would dedicate your firstborn child to God. 
This was a way that God's people expressed their gratitude to God for His saving work for them in the old days when God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and made them His people. It was a picture of God's faithfulness to them and their desire to follow Him in response. And so in response to God's faithfulness, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus went up to the temple to present Jesus holy to the Lord in fulfillment of the law and to offer a sacrifice also according to the law, verse 24. They offered a pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons. This was part of the Jewish ritual purity laws. But even here, we see the strangeness of the circumstances of Christ's birth. They do not offer an extravagant sacrifice. They offer the alternative sacrifice set aside for those who had very little financially. The parents of the king of the universe were so poor that they could only offer a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And yet, even in their poverty, God was bringing salvation. And we see this beautiful scene where a man named Simeon arrives. Simeon, we're told, was righteous and devout. He loved the Lord, verse 25. And he was waiting, waiting and waiting his whole life. And what was he waiting for? We're told, verse 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Or literally, the comfort of Israel. Simeon, like all of Israel at that day, knew that they were suffering. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting for God to answer prayers. They'd been waiting for centuries. And Simeon was waiting for God to come and to comfort His people, to bind up their wounds, to bring them peace, to bring them the salvation they had been longing for. And so he had been waiting and he had been given a great promise by God. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die, he would not see death, until he had seen God's Messiah. God had promised to this righteous and devout man who had been waiting that he would fulfill the promises and that Simeon would see it with his very own eyes. And so Simeon was waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, the day had come. We're told, verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple, led by God, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon erupts into praise. He takes Jesus up in his arms and blesses God. And he says, God, everything's been set right. I can go to my grave in peace because you are fulfilling your promises of salvation. You are keeping your promise that I've been waiting for my whole life. says this, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. It says, you promised me that I would see the king, that I would see the salvation of your people, and now here he is. I'm holding him in my arms, and I can die happy, Simeon says. You have fulfilled your promises to me, God. You have kept your word, and so I am comforted. Simeon takes comfort in God's faithfulness. And so should we. 
God keeps His promises to His people. He keeps His promise of salvation and of blessing. And in Simeon's example, we see his comfort at Israel's comfort, and so it should also be our comfort. How many of you know those who are older who have passed away? All of us, right? I'm reminded of, in a small way, my own grandmother who had a number of grandkids. She passed away a couple years ago around Christmas. And she had been put into hospice almost two years before, and they told her she was going to die. But she wasn't ready to go. She wasn't ready. She didn't have a piece about it. And so she lived two years longer than they expected. But then when she was ready to go, she was able to see all of her grandkids. And then she slipped away in peace. She was ready to go. She had seen what she had been waiting to see. At a much grander scale, that's what we see with Simeon. Simeon says, I am happy. I am content. Your promises have been fulfilled. And so I can depart in joy and in peace, trusting in you, God. Because you have done exactly what you said you would do, according to your word. Friends, we can take great comfort in the fact that our God keeps His promises to us. Not always as quickly as we hope. Not always on our timetable. But He keeps His promises. And He gives us so many promises in His Word that He will never leave us nor forsake us. That He will continue in us that which He has begun. That He will deliver us. That Christ will return. That we will live with Him forever. There are so many good promises that God makes to us. And in the coming of Jesus, we see that He keeps His promises and that we can find comfort in Him. Comfort like Simeon found. And that should bring us great peace. There is more here than just taking comfort. Simeon is rejoicing. He is praising God. He says, Lord, now You are letting Your servant depart in peace according to Your Word. For my eyes have seen Your salvation that You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is not a minor key song, just like Mary's song is not a minor key song, just like Zechariah's song is not a minor key song, just like the angel's song is not a minor key song. This is a song of joy that flows out of promises intended to bring God's people joy. Simeon sings in a major key, rejoicing in God's faithfulness. He says, God, you have brought salvation to us. The salvation that you have prepared in the presence of the whole world in front of all the peoples. You are bringing glory to your people Israel even as you are opening the eyes of those who are outside of us, of those who had not yet come into the people of Israel. Simeon sees that through Jesus, God is saving not just Israel, but people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that it is to His glory and the glory of His people. And so He sings. He rejoices. He's excited. Just as the shepherds rejoiced and the angels rejoiced and Zechariah rejoiced and Mary rejoiced. The coming of Jesus is a source of joy. And it should be a source of joy for us. God keeps His promises. He is faithful. And that should bring us great gladness. That should bring us 
joy that outstrips any other joys. This is greater joy than even the best presents you kids might have gotten last night or this morning. This is greater joy than even seeing family members you haven't seen for years. This is joy that outstrips any other joy that we can or should have. Because God is faithful and we can rejoice in that. He keeps His promises. He answers. He has brought us salvation through Jesus Christ. So let us take comfort. Let it soothe our hearts. Let it bring us peace. But may God's faithfulness also lead us to joyful praise. We're told that his father and his mother, when they heard this good news, marveled at what was said about him. Joseph and Mary are astonished. And then Simeon gives what's sort of an ominous sounding saying to Mary, which speaks of how God would bring this joy and this peace. It says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Some will be lifted up when he comes, some will fall. And for a sign that is opposed, Jesus would not be welcomed by all of God's people. He would serve as a polarizing lightning rod, one who would be spoken against, one who would be opposed, and yet one who purified God's people, who lifted up those who repented and followed Him, while cutting out those who refused to follow God and His ways. And He did this through going to the cross. That is what our salvation depends on. And that would be a source of sorrow for Mary. A sword would pierce her own soul. And yet all of this was in fulfillment of God's promises. He had promised to save His people. He had promised to save His people through a Messiah who would suffer. He had promised to save His people through a Messiah who would purify and make God's people who they should be. Even in these ominous words of Jesus' death and of the sorrow it would bring to His blessed mother Mary, we see God keeping His promises. And that should give us comfort. That should give us joy. And then after this scene with Simeon, we see a second scene of fulfillment. A woman named Anna. We're told there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. That might not mean much to us, but Asher was a northern tribe, which meant they were hit hardest when Israel was invaded centuries before. They were waiting to be gathered back into God's people. And so here we have, again, the fulfillment of God coming to all of God's people. And Anna was quite old. She was advanced in years. She had been married for seven years to her husband. And then after he died, she had been widowed. Some of you are widows, and you know the loss that that brings. And as a widow... She was a widow until she was 84, so at least six decades, maybe longer than that. But while she was a widow, she spent all of her time in the temple. We're told she did not depart from the temple, but was worshiping God with fasting and prayer night and day. Likely she was waiting for the Messiah. Praying and longing and asking God to bring the promised Savior, to bring the promised king. And so she was there day in and day out for six decades. Talk about devotion. 
talking about keeping the home fires burning. She was waiting. And she was faithful in her waiting. And she didn't leave. She was there day in and day out, praying and fasting, night and day. Didn't take any shifts off. And as she arrived at that very hour, she sees Jesus. And what does she do? She gives thanks to God. And then she goes and tells everyone else who's been waiting that the Messiah is there. We should take comfort in God's faithfulness. We should rejoice in God's faithfulness. We should also give thanks to God for His faithfulness. She knows that our salvation is a gift from God. That's why we give gifts to one another at Christmas. Because God has given the ultimate gift to us. And Anna sees that. She sees that God's faithfulness is not because she deserves it or because God's people were so holy and righteous, but because God loved them. Because God had given to them. And so the only right response to God's faithfulness is to give thanks, to give praise, to thank God for His goodness to us, for the way that He keeps His promises no matter what. She thanked God as she saw the promises fulfilled, promises she had longed for and prayed for every day for 60 years. She thanked God. Not only were God's people comforted, not only should we rejoice, but we should also give thanks. But she didn't just keep the good news to herself, did she? What did she do? She told others. And so should we. We're told that she gave thanks to God at that very hour, so she wastes no time. She immediately starts giving thanks to God, and then she spoke of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Evidently, Anna and Simeon were not the only ones who were part of this group that were praying and waiting for God's Savior to come. God's people as a whole had been waiting, but it seems that there were Particular people who Anna knew, likely since she spent 60 years praying for this very thing, who she knew had been waiting too. And so what does she do when she gets the good news? What do we do when we get good news? Do we keep it to ourselves? No. She immediately, that that very hour, goes and starts telling others. She says, the Messiah is here. He's come. He's arrived. God has kept His promises. We've been waiting for centuries for this to come true. And now God has done it. He has not cast us off. He has not forgotten us. He has brought our salvation to us. Come see. The shepherds do the same thing in Luke 2, where we're told that they were rejoicing and they went and told others. The right response to Jesus' coming, to God's faithfulness, is not to just keep this news to ourselves but to tell others that they might know of God's faithfulness too. Anna doesn't keep the good news to herself, and neither should we. We have good news of great joy to share with others. News that brings us comfort. News that causes us to rejoice. News that causes us to give thanks. But news that we are to share as well. And if we have good news... Why wouldn't we share it with those that we love? Why wouldn't we go out and tell others that the Savior and the King has come through Jesus?
Friends, we have a great blessing from God. We are no longer waiting as Israel has waited in the Old Testament. We have Messiah Jesus. We have our Savior and King come to us to bring us life. And in that we see that God keeps His promises. There may be hard things in our life. There may be waiting that we have in our own particular circumstances. But when we look back at Christmas, there should be no question of God's faithfulness. There should be no question as to whether He keeps His promises. And so we should, like Simeon, take comfort in God's faithfulness. We should rejoice in God's faithfulness. We should thank God for His faithfulness and let us tell others of God's faithfulness. This Christmas, we have good news both for us and for all who would come to Christ in faith. So let us share it and let us rejoice. Would you join me in prayer to our good and faithful God? Our Father, we thank You that You have brought us, Your servants, peace according to Your Word. In Jesus, our eyes have seen Your salvation, that You have prepared in the presence of all peoples, the whole world, a light of revelation to all peoples, including us, and for glory for Your people. We thank You that You are the faithful One who keeps Your promises, the One that we can trust, we can take comfort in, We rejoice in Your kindness to us. We thank You for coming to us for our salvation. And we want to tell others this good news too. So would You send us out with joy as we bring this good news of great joy to the world around us. And would You be honored all the days of our lives. We pray this in Your faithful name. Amen.